0: Every so often you can find yourself reflecting on life. Your reflections might be about past choices you wish you had or maybe had not made, or maybe they're about the future, or perhaps they're about circumstances you face in the present. You may even be asking yourself, where is God in all of this? If that is you, you're not alone.
1: Hello and thank you for tuning in to another exciting episode of the Paradigm Switch Podcast with our hosts, Evan and Alex. We seek to encourage our heavenly family in Christ to renew their minds and to think right side up. The key to victory is knowledge, and it is our hope that through sharing our personal testimonies, struggles, and triumphs, it will help you continue your walk with Christ. The Bible says we are new creatures in Christ, but in order for us to emerge anew, we first have to think anew. Enjoy the episode.
0: everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Paradigm Switch. We are the number one Christian podcast on Earth and Heaven's favorite podcasters. My name is Alex, and with me is my co-host, David. Bonjour. Bonjour, that's right. (laughs) Uh, In this next special episode, I am recording from Paris, France. That's
2: amazing. How is it out there?
0: Uh, Well, it was kind of cold and rainy, actually.
2: Ah, that's (laughs) too bad. (laughs) I'm sure you Uh, still were able to go out and do some stuff.
0: I did. I did. I've gotten to do a few things uh, on this trip. I, in Paris, um, earlier today, I had gone to the Louvre, and I got to see the Mona Lisa for the first time.
2: Oh, really? How, was it an amazing experience seeing it up close and personal?
0: There is something to be said about the significance of that painting and, and how it much uh, you know it features in history leonardo da vinci's they often say along with the last supper that this is his master work um uh, it's kind of i think maybe a little less impressive in person if i can say that
2: <laughs> i'm not a real art admirer i mean Every time I see the Mona Lisa, I'm just like, what's the big deal about it? <laughs> so I don't, I don't see the big deal about it. I think there's other paintings I've run across that seem much more significant than that one. But I mean, I'm not an art person in that field of painting to really give my, it's just not me. I'll just leave it at that.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I'm not an art person, but I would tend to agree with you. I, I think, you know, the Sistine Chapel is a lot more significant, at least to me, I think. Some of the artwork by Raphael in Florence, Italy, it's also kind of more significant. I, I don't know, some people in the art field might be very upset over all of this. I, I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not as super big into art, to be completely honest.
2: Me neither. I remember in college we had to, oh my goodness, it was required for just one class that we go to, that I was in that we had to go to this art museum in um, the city. And, you know, I went with a couple of my friends to kind of make it an exciting thing because I was really I was really dreading it and because we had to, like, look up specific things and then we had to write about it and, like, make this whole big log about it. And I think I was there for about a good four and a half, close to five hours doing this assignment and stuff. And you know, I just wasn't, I just didn't like it. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was the assignment. I'm just not a big art person. Like the only thing art wise I would say I like is like looking at comic book art, you know, like seeing the superheroes and like that kind of drawing and comic books and stuff like that's the kind of art I like, but anything outside of that is just kind of like, okay, cool. Nice job that you did it, but let's move on.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So i have uh, been continuing my travels in europe over the last week last week we had been in uh, rome when or i was recording in rome rather when Mm -hmm. we had this so i was in rome until uh last sunday i went to mass there
2: oh how was uh worship in rome
0: well it was uh very different than the united states so this is like a catholic mass in rome actually it was in the vatican so They hold a normal church service in St. Peter's Basilica every Sunday. Um, And it is, it's in Italian. Mm -hmm. So I didn't understand a word they were saying. And I think they had a Latin mass afterwards, but we had to go to the train station. So my brother and I were not able to go to that, but um, it's very, it's still different, right? Because there's kind of a dress code in Italy uh, to go to mass and, so, you know, in the U.S., some people can show up to church in shorts and flip-flops and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that 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 doesn't go over very well in Italy. Um, it's all, you know, long pants and shoulders have to be covered. The knees need to be covered. There have to be wearing close-toed shoes. Uh, you're not going to really see anybody wearing hats in there either, uh, although I will say that jeans... And a a shirt are fine.
2: You know, I actually don't have a problem with that. I mean, I know in America some people don't like how some churches are kind of more dress code regulated and stuff. They, you know, you know, they expect some kind of appearance. You know, guys in suits, ladies in nice dresses. You know, at a certain length and this, this, and that. I mean, I mean, you go to work and it has a dress code. You go to different places and it has a dress code. I get the logic of it in the sense of like trying to have respect for the house of God and all that kind of stuff. You know, don't you just wake up and roll out of bed and just throw. I mean, I will never do this. Just roll out of bed, throw on a sweatpants and a sweatshirt, and like show to up like show to up. service. That's just not me. I try to at least look my best and decent. I do wear jeans sometimes, but um, yeah. I'm I don't know. I'm not I'm not for, for me personally. I'm not for the shorts and flip flops. Like that's kind of. That's kind of a little going extreme for me. So I kind of like hearing it. They kind of have a dress code regulation.
0: Yeah, I've, I've never done the shorts and the flip-flops either. Um, I usually wear jeans when I go to church. But, yeah, so they do have this, this kind of dress code here in, in Italy. And as far as the service itself goes, I mean, again, I didn't understand a word because I don't speak Italian. Yeah. But... I did think that it follows a similar flow to mass in the United States in that, you know, there's worship, there's what is referred to as a homily, which for our, our Protestant listeners is like a reading of, of the scripture. There was a teaching of some sort at the end. Again, I have no idea what that was about. Um, and, you know, occasionally you'll understand like the the chapter. So you could maybe look it up or the book rather. So. Mm-hmm by the Italians you can go and look it up later but it's just I don't understand Italian so I had no idea what was happening other than that at one point you know we're all singing singing songs again I don't I don't really know what we were saying
2: (laughs) (laughs) were you did they give you like a piece of paper to try to follow along or you were just kind of just standing and
0: just, st- just standing there, really. And I mean, embracing the there's, music. There's a hymn book, but again, it's you all in Italian. Yeah,
2: you can't. Okay. Just, I don't understand
0: any of it. Um, and, you know, it was an interesting experience. Uh, I think I would have enjoyed being able to understand what was being said. Mm-hmm. But, you know, being able to worship God in, in another language is very interesting, even though I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So,
2: it's nice to see how uh, other people conduct services I think that's always the most interesting thing to see how other cultures and stuff embrace their uniqueness and bring it to the church and stuff
0: yes and as far as like length of time I I didn't really notice any appreciable difference mass in the U.S. was roughly the same as the mass length in Italy about mm-hmm. an hour and 15 minutes or so so nothing
2: like a three or four hour service or something all right well that's cool that's, that's cool that you guys have experienced that in Rome
0: did and then after that was over we went over to the train station and took a quick hop up to venice which is the most unique city in the world i have ever been to uh there are no roads there there are only walkways human walkway like like only people can walk on the walkways there's canals of course so you navigate by boat Mm -hmm. and there's just no other city like this that I've ever been to. I think it is truly amongst the most unique of places one could visit.
2: So like no cars, just walking, anyway, riding bikes or mopeds or anything like that, or just. No,
0: no, it's too narrow. It's too narrow. And then there's like stairs and stuff. So bicycling is, people don't do that. Um, The only place there are cars there's a bridge that goes over the lagoon and it connects this, the main island of the city to the, to the mainland of Italy. And so you can drive your, your taxi or your bus and go over that bridge. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's the only place on the whole island where the cars are found and everywhere else is boats. Gotcha. That's cool. It was cool. And I went to St. Mark's cathedral. I've been there before but it's nice to go revisit a place it's uh very it's it's a golden walls painted walls golden painted ceilings Mm -hmm. it's kind of a little darker in ambience than the cathedrals in rome generally speaking but i really like it there it's uh on the grand canal it's it's really uh, a nice view when you come outside into saint mark's plaza and then to the left is the canal um the only thing I would say about Venice is when you have the food there, it's maybe not as good as other places in Italy, I have to admit. <laughs> the food yes. isn't good. It's not that it's bad, it's just it's not as good not as the other best. places. In Italy. Okay. It's not the best. So I've heard other people say that and I tend to agree with this. So that was Venice, and then I hopped on a train and went to Paris through the French Alps. I arrived in Paris a couple days ago. But yesterday, I took a trip to Normandy, specifically to Omaha Beach, and that's really where I thought could put the focus of this particular episode. Uh, now, mm-hmm. I don't know, Avon, Have you? Are you aware of Omaha Beach's significance?
2: No, I can't say that I you am. Know, no. You know, I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm. I'm not gifted in the memorization of history.
0: Have you ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan?
2: I have not. I, you know, I have probably only seen like two war movies in my life. All
0: right.
2: I haven't seen a so, lot of war movies. Mm,
0: so that so Omaha Beach is a very famous place. This is where the Allied troops, in part, most of the, primarily the American Allied troops landed when they went to liberate Europe from the Nazis back in 1944, June 6, 1944, uh, D-Day is what it was called. And this is where the landing happened. And so there are some very famous pictures about what this looked like prior to that landing. So the Nazis had had these kind of, um, I don't really know what to call them, barriers on the beach they had put mines there Mm -hmm. minefields um there were machine gun nests up on the cliffs and it just being there to see this in person i just was struck by how much history was there how much um Really, just how much blood was shed there,
2: yeah, how much death
0: how much violence here.
2: happened at that scene?
0: It was violence, yes, a lot of violence. it's uh thousands and thousands of people died on that beach uh and 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 across other beaches too because it wasn't just Omaha beach. there were uh, I think there are five beaches where allied troops landed there is omaha and utah which mm-hmm. was primarily american juno and sword which i think were mostly the british and i believe that uh or no juno and gold maybe and then sword might have been the canadians or something like that but there's five of them it, it, it it's all just you look at this place and you're like man like it seems really peaceful now but back in the forties, I mean, this was, this is where the Nazis had total control. They had, they had barricaded the whole place. And I just thinking about the Nazis, you know, I was forced to think about the status of the church back then in these places. And uh, sadly, what happened That is, that the church by and large, especially the German church, folded into the culture Mm -hmm. and supported the Nazis. And not everybody did this. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a very famous Christian pastor, refused. He was executed Mm -hmm. for not uh, going along with Hitler. Uh, But that was, I think, the right thing to, to resist such evil as Hitler and his Nazis, and the church, by and large, didn't do it. Okay, They just, they rolled over, and they allowed untold horrors to happen.
2: Yeah.
0: And um, it's just, it was a, a brutal thing. It was a horrible thing, and I just think about how sad that was that that the church of the day just gave into the culture like this when when everybody knew the culture was going down the wrong path and it's almost reminiscent in a way of what i see today and that a lot of the church in the united states is just capitulating to a culture that is going down the wrong way
2: what do you think is the was the cause for back then for in the cause still today of why the, the church just gets swept in and goes along with the culture instead of being that moral buffer and holding the ground of saying what is right and wrong. You know, was interesting, I remember a couple years ago, someone was talking, and this doesn't just apply to the United States, this applies everywhere, saying that if the church would have been on their job and done with their job slavery would have never existed and everything like that the church would have held its you know would have done what was right there would have been no slavery anywhere um europe and instead you
0: had some churches supporting this
2: exactly and then twisting the word um to um make People who were the slaves think that they were less than, you know, basically full on lying. (laughs) They were full on lying and, you know, twisting the word so that their conscience, for one, could feel good. And then two, Uh to make those who were under slavery feel as though they were inferior. What do you think is the reason why the church failed? Because, you know, we can say, you know, today, you know, our morality is down. This is net. And, and we think like in the past they had a higher sense of morality. But we see right here, you know, here's an example of they failed when they needed to. They, they came to a standing point of when they needed to, you know, hold the fort or hold the line of morality and they failed. What do you think is the cause?
0: I think there are probably different causes for what happened. In the 40s and, and the 30s, because it began before World War II, obviously in Germany, versus what is happening today yeah. in the West. Um, I it, look. I am not a an expert on church history uh, of the 30s in Germany, so I can only speculate as to what caused the breakdown in the church not standing on its uh, on the on the laws of God and instead going along with culture. I imagine that. Predominantly, fear was the main driver behind this. Mm-hmm. I, I would, I would bet a lot on that. I would say. Um, I mean, Hitler was killing everybody. Yeah, he was killing everybody who got in his way, and he was doing it in very brutal ways. You had, you know, mass shootings. You had the death camps. You had hangings. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I am sure that many believers were fearful. That Mm -hmm. they would be martyred under that regime and so they they chose to go along with that in fear of their own lives
2: so that you know that's a good point of fear you know i was thinking that apply both then and today is that the church has totally forgotten their role in the grand scheme of things They have totally forgot who they are and their responsibility. You know, I bring up that scripture all the time that we are ambassadors for Christ. And, you know, that's in the scripture that we're ambassadors to Christ. And, you know, that is an important role to remember. And an ambassador always speaks on the behalf of the country or the government that they're representing. And what is the government or the country that us as Christians, the church, are representing is the kingdom of God. We're representing his ways, his thoughts, his ideas, his morality, his standard. And so when we come against those oppositions, then and today, we have the responsibility, if we bear the name of Christ, that we are supposed to represent that government. And we um, we totally forget. I think like um, we sometimes just become too religious in the sense of thinking like, oh, like, oh, I'm just saved and go to church just so that I can go to heaven. As Alex always say, I have my fire insurance so that when I pass, you know, I go to the cloud in the sky, I go to the pearly gates. But they totally miss out that, you know, if God wanted you in heaven, he would have took you right away when you got saved. But he left you here for a reason to represent his kingdom, to bring heaven on earth here. We have a job and a responsibility to spread the gospel, spread his kingdom here as ambassadors and, you know, show what the standard of heaven is. And so when we come against those oppositions, we say, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, that's not a godly way. And so that cost me my life. It is what it is, and like you said, we forgot who like those people did. and even today, they forgot who they were due to fear. Back then, it cost them their life, and like today, like um, there's more of a social fear, you know, being outcasted, being canceled. Um, maybe you legit it's happened to some people. They'll lose their job, they'll lose everything they have standing for Christ. But that's why we have those examples in the Bible that show like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When you stand up for doing what is right, God will have your back no matter what. Like, you know, we read these stories all the time and we say, oh, wow, look at God, look at God. But, you know, when we are faced with that same opportunity, sometimes we back down in fear. We just think like those opportunities were just for them and we don't have to hold that same line. But no, you're representative of the kingdom of God. And so we all have our personal battles like Daniel in the Bible, like Elijah, like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. We all have those, you know, defining moments and we need to be ready to stand for what is right, whether it is quote-unquote big or small in the limelight or whatever it is. So I think, you know, the church has forgotten what their role is in the grand scheme of everything. We're just a little bit too religious of just thinking about ourselves and just make sure we have our golden ticket to get into heaven. And like you said, it's the fear that comes in that just makes us just totally forget everything.
0: You think, um, why is it that there is so much fear is it, is it that, and I was uh, in church, in the church that I go to on Sundays, there's been a series about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit versus the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that there is a distinction between the two.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: that somebody who is indwelt with the Spirit may be, I mean, they're saved, but they may not have the same triumphs over sin and temptation that someone who is baptized with the Holy spirit is able to. And I, I wonder, is it that we have more of the first type of, of believers that, that there's a large, large chunk of believers that they're saved? Yes. But they really are not actually in tune with the Holy spirit. And so they, they have struggles and there's maybe a a lack of joy. And I I can speak for my own life, you Mm -hmm. know, that this is, this is, I think a state in which I existed for quite some time. Like mm-hmm. I, I think I I can clearly see where how this can happen, uh, especially in today in in a, the United States. I think there is this big debate about what is what is the function of the Holy Spirit and is the is, is the Holy Spirit the gifts that it gives? Is is that over? Yeah. Like it's a big controversy, huh. huge yeah. controversy within the American church.
2: That would be a whole series right there about the Holy Ghost. Yes, um, yes. But first, I want to you know address your question. I think the Bible talks about this, saying about like you know. Walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit. There's a lot of people who are saved, I have found, but they still walk in the flesh. And what do I mean by that? They walk by based on what they think, how they feel, and all that kind of stuff. So if they feel like cussing somebody out, they're going to do it. They might be saved, but they just go into what they feel. Walking in the spirit is knowing that the Holy Spirit is leading you to go a different way or to act a different way, and you listen to the Holy Ghost in you. So that I think that's what you're trying to say in a sense like there's a difference of being like, yes, you're saved and you have your quote unquote heavenly ticket. But if you're wanting to be an effective Christian, like we always talk about, you're going to need the Holy Ghost empowered in your life. And like you said, being totally immersed in him and walking in the spirit. I mean, here's my two cents kind of thing on the Holy Ghost, you know. Jesus was it said Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost and power. The apostles were filled with the Holy Ghost and power to do what they needed to do. So who do we think we are to think that we don't need the Holy Ghost, full of the Holy Ghost and power, to live a victorious life as an effective Christian? And that's why I always say, in a sense of like, do you really want to be an effective Christian, or are you just trying to make sure I have my ticket to go to heaven? So that there's that's really what comes the difference of like, are you really just trying to be um, one of those people who just get in? barely making it because you got your ticket where you trying to be really part of the kingdom, you know, contribute to the kingdom. And that's the difference. Are you really trying to contribute to the kingdom of God? And to do that, you need to be totally immersed in the Holy ghost. And you asked earlier of why do people get into fear of, of, you know, all these kind of external things to me, it's a lack of knowledge. You know, I always say, you know, Um, The Bible says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And so because we lack knowledge and, you know, I always say it this way. God is saying my people are losing in life due to a lack of knowledge. If you look at it from God's point of view, God's like, you have all of heaven on your side. You're infilled with my spirit. Angels are walking beside you. I will lead you and guide you. God himself is supporting you, the maker of the universe. Like we got to see it from that standpoint. If we know this, then we would not walk in fear. But because we look so much carnally on what's in front of us, we forget about those things, and we don't know that God is really with us. So it's a lack of knowledge that contributes to this fear.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes makes definite sense. I could see that for sure. Um, so going off tangent a little bit, you talk uh, we talk about you know fear, and we've talked a lot about unfortunately some churches going the wrong way and people falling away from the faith and less people calling themselves believers now in the United States than ever in history. Yeah. Um, have you heard about what is happening in Kentucky right now?
2: Kentucky, Kentucky. I think there's a revival going on over there. Or there was a revival. Um, I think I saw someone on my um, story. Uh, one, of, It's like a pastor I follow on my story that he was at some revival recently
0: yes uh, a revival in in uh in university mm-hmm. in kentucky asbury university i think it's called it's like thousands tens of thousands of students like every day yeah throughout the day and i i think that that gives me some hope mm-hmm. um because i i will just say this i'll admit to our audience i have had uh i have felt very um discouraged about the future of, of the U S yeah. like I have been really weighed down by it's just like so much evil happening and, and the culture it's like things that have been considered correct, and normal for a long time. Now, all of a sudden it's like, you're a horrible person. If you still believe this, Yeah, if you still want to stand for, uh, I guess what biblical, the biblical values, biblical roles in life, I mean, all of this has been under assault and it has been extremely bad over the last 2 years yeah and um you know i was just thinking look this this is the this is how a society goes completely down the tubes and bringing it back to what is happening when i'm here in france you know this this kind of craziness is what leads to really evil governments mhm um, and very bad things happen to people. So to, to see that there is a revival of young people, because especially even this, this young generation they they are just so the the statistics are so sad, so sad. They're confused, the high, highest, highest suicide rates, uh, drug abuse, alcoholism, mm-hmm. uh, a sense of a pervading sense of hopelessness, like it's just a negative, really, really negative all around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then though to see the, these young people and, and coming to know the Lord in large numbers, I really hope this spreads. Not- uh, and maybe it's, maybe it is not too late uh, for, for the country. Maybe there is still time to write the ship with a new, a younger crowd of believers who have that um, spirit to go
2: out and make disciples of the nations. So, you know, I, I, when I hear about revival, what are people looking for? Are they looking for God to do something? Like what are they looking for? Are they looking for God to like come in and like change like what are they looking for? What are they praying about? When 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 you know when people are saying I'm we're praying for God to give a revival.
0: I think or at least to me, a revival is where large groups of people collectively in a country Come to know the Lord in a genuine way, and then start to make changes mm-hmm. throughout society. Mm-hmm. And and they they turn away from wickedness. They turn away from these you know crazy cultural things that happen, and then start bringing all of it back into a a place where biblical values are the root of society.
2: Yeah. So when I hear revival, you know, I'm thinking like, you start it. You you be the change. You know what I'm saying? You know, I think sometimes so many Christians are like waiting for like some big group to give them permission to do certain things, or you know, like I don't know. I just feel like if you want change to happen, you be effective. You know what I'm saying? You be the no, first person no, to go that's out the there. Point.
0: The change has to come from somewhere. that's yeah. that's correct.
2: And you know, I've and always you never
0: know who who God is going to choose to lead that effort.
2: Mm-hmm. That's yeah, totally true. I mean, you know, by you know, I've always said this thing of like being independently dependent. You know. Sure, I have my family, my church that I go to and everything, but, like, if I feel something about myself that, you know, I need to make this step of faith and be this effective witness, I can do it. You know, I was just reading that scripture, you know, where Jesus said the kingdom of God is like yeast um, placed into um, bread and everything. And if you know anything about yeast, you don't need a lot of it. You just need a little bit, a little bit of yeast in a, um, in a piece of bread, and then it takes over the whole dough. And that's the same thing like with us. We're the yeast. God just needs a few people to place in different situations, and we can take over that situation if we stand up and take our role for who we really are. Like I said, being ambassadors for Christ. Revival to me means us realizing an awakening or an enlightening of realizing who we are. And, you know, I will always say this that, you know, God's mission is not so much for us just to get out of here or. I think I was telling my older brother one time that the message of Jesus is not about evacuation, but it's about invasion. It's about us taking over the territory for the kingdom of God, like a kingdom that takes over different countries, isn't that? We're supposed to be taking over this planet that God has given us as his believers for his kingdom. Jesus' mission was not about just evacuating planet Earth. It was about invading Earth with his kingdom. It
0: was about making or bringing, bringing... The
2: kingdom to as
0: many people as possible, Mm -hmm. I think. And and, And, go ahead. Yeah, go on. No, Uh, I was uh, just saying,
2: in doing so, bringing his kingdom to different territories, you change the people. Like you change the people Mm -hmm. and their values and all that kind of stuff. Like he said, teach them my ways, make disciples out of them, teach them these things of the kingdom and stuff at everything. I just I feel like when you when I hear revival, to me, a real revival is us realizing our role and responsibility and us taking up that mantle and saying enough is enough. And then like you said, not bowing down to fear and not bowing down to um, compromise anymore. Taking our role. So to me that's the importance of um what's it called? Of of revival of that's that's real revival.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right and when you mentioned the importance of changing people's minds views. And so as I was standing in the cemetery mm-hmm. in Normandy, there's a, it's a fairly large cemetery. It's where the American soldiers who fought and died are buried. And there's like thousands of tombstones here. Most are marked with crosses. Others are marked with stars of David for those who were Jewish and, and died there. But i think it is a reminder of the importance of human life Mm -hmm. the importance of god can change anyone and god can use anyone for his greater purposes and he can use some very horrible people to become agents of his and you look in the bible you look at paul and paul used to kill christians he used to put them to death. Uh, he was there when Stephen was martyred, mm-hmm. and he looked on in approval. And yet he ended up becoming arguably one of the greatest evangelists in the history of faith.
2: Yeah. That we know about.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so it, it was a reminder to me. And then again, you know, I have found it challenging of late to when i see all of these people who know better and they do evil things anyway yeah it's it's like what what purpose is this person doing here other than just causing so many bad things to happen like why is this allowed to continue and you know this person's not good and i have to take a step back and i have to realize this person is fooled by the devil and this person's life is valuable to god and this person could be changed by God so long as this person still has breath to draw. And this person can perhaps make a very big impact for good. And it was just standing in Normandy, it, it was a reminder that, you know, all life is precious to God. And we can't allow ourselves to grow cold to that and just give up on people. Yeah, you know, God God never gave up on us.
2: You know, there's actually a prophecy that Jesus said that the love of many will grow cold during the end times. Yes. And so, yeah, so we have to be careful that we don't, you know, become like, Our hearts become hard and lack of loving because I will say for myself, you know, I'm not going to get into it. It was a very rough week for me in the patience department um, with other people. A short short story, long story short of uh, it was just people not taking responsibility and then it, it was affecting me. So it was just a really long week for me and stuff. But, you know. I've had those same struggles with, you know, different people and stuff where I was just like, you know, you're doing wrong and you're affecting other people with your bad decisions. Like, what are you doing out here? And, you know, I always remember the scripture that comes from Revelations 4 where the creatures around the throne are saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they exist and they were created. And, you know, what that always says to me is like, you know, I may not. You know, let's just be real. I mean, I like this person and stuff. And I like Christians, we just don't be honest. You know what? Sometimes we just don't like everybody. Let's just be real. We just don't like everybody. But everyone deserves fair treatment and fair love. So because God created that person. So it doesn't matter how I feel towards that person. I have to do right by that person because it was God's purposeful intention for that person to be here. So I may not know their purpose in this, this and that, but every life has a value because God, out of his infinite wisdom, created that person. So I have to respect that, and I have to love on that person because God created them. And, you know, we were talking about this whole thing about, like, the church failing and, you know, not standing up for this, this, and that. I think sometimes we let our own personal biases and our own personal feelings about maybe a person or a certain group or this, this, and that, and then we reject them having, like, the freedoms and the things that are justly theirs as a person, you know, and we, we say, hey, this is a human being, so they deserve love. They deserve this, this, and that, and, you know, within the parameters of God's law and everything. But we got to make sure we lay down our own personal biases and our own personal opinions down about people and make sure we always remember we're ambassadors for Christ. So my thoughts and feelings are not important about a person or a group of people or this, this, and that. I have to show love because I'm representing the kingdom.
0: No, it's, it's true. And it can be challenging to do this love to love our enemies, right? Is basically what this is boiling down to. Exactly. And it's it can be very hard. It can be very hard, and so I guess what I have to do is I have to pray, and and that day if I'm gonna run into somebody who I really don't like, I have to pray and be like God, you know, I I I'm going to need you to assist me. In my interactions this day, and make sure I don't give in to my impatience yeah. or my anger or my frustrations or what have you, and you know just use me as a as a light because I and I think that when people know you don't like a person and yet you still treat them civilly and you treat them equally like anyone else, mm-hmm. I think that that makes a it makes a difference.
2: Yeah, I think. Yeah, it does. Um I will say make sure you grow spiritually because I was thinking at first, you know, when Jesus was telling the people his disciples to go out two by two, <laughs> he told them, don't go out to the Samaritans because he already knew they already had problems, racial and religious problems with the Samaritans. So he was just like, y'all That's y'all true. are not spiritually grown yet <laughs> to try That's to witness true. to them. So, yeah, yeah you're going to have to like I said, be led by the Holy Ghost. That's why you need to be immersed with the Holy Ghost to be led on how to do certain things um and everything. But, you know, you know, hearing about your trips and hearing about, you know, your adventures all through Europe and everything, it makes me grateful for the blessings that God has given us over here in the West and how oh, it makes
0: me grateful too, mm-hmm. for sure.
2: Yeah. The freedoms that we kinda like have. You know, I know we talked a couple episodes about kind of like the change that is happening here in the West. You know, you cannot deny it. There is a kind of shifting um of things kind of coming attacking towards the church, but we still have a lot of things to be grateful about. Um and the things that we are blessed, you know, we still do have freedom. We can do this podcast. We can still talk about the word of God and all that kind of stuff without fear of consequence or anything like that. So, like the history like you've been learning that's been happening, you know, that happened over there in Europe and stuff, you know, there is a lot of still good that is here in 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 the United States, but let us in the United States learn, like you always said, let us learn from the mistakes that happened in the past, that we hold the line as the church and hold our, you know, the moral high ground. And remember the calling that God has given us, the high calling that God has given us.
0: Yes. I mean, that's important. The church in the West, it cannot sacrifice its morals, values for the sake of culture that is going down the wrong path. Totally. It can't happen because if that happens, then you end up in a situation where there are very bad things happening in your country. And, and just being here where there was so much of that evil happening, it it really hits you. And I want to say one more thing before we uh, call it a a night here, but I am reminded of the ugliness of war Mm -hmm. and, you know, war seems so abstract sometimes i think to a lot of people in the united states now i mean we have our our combat veterans who have been in our lifetimes to afghanistan and iraq and other places uh, but a lot of people they don't even know anyone who has served overseas in the military they don't they don't the closest thing they have to war is Call of Duty video games. And <laughs> um, I think, I think, if that is what your point of view is, if, if all you know is Call of Duty video games, uh, I would say, you know, you come out here and, and see, and this is, this isn't even the acute phase of war. I mean, uh, what is happening in Ukraine, for example, things that happen in Syria every day, these kinds of things i have no i I can't imagine what it looks like in the midst of a hot zone and war but i just look at the echoes of what is happening here in normandy and i am so very thankful for peace Mm -hmm. and i i mean it it just moved me this is something that i should be praying for every day is for peace for for people Mm -hmm. so that they don't have to live in in the fear that death is only a, a minute, literally a minute away. I mean, life's can be extinguished so quickly. And in second Peter chapter three, verse nine, um, there was a reminder to me that God is not willing that any should perish in the dark. And so war can cause people to perish in the dark so quick. and. I was just moved to to pray for peace for the people of Ukraine, for the people of the Middle East, and elsewhere, um, because being here and, and looking at all the lives lost and families torn asunder back in the days of World War II. Yeah, this is this is not desirable. This is a horrible, horrible thing. And while yes, I do think sometimes wars have to be fought for righteous causes which and i and i do think in world war ii that was the case the nazis were evil and they had to be stopped but it's just a horrible thing when wars have to be fought and i just i move to pray for peace and to really just pray for the people who are afflicted by the horrible things that have happened
2: well, that's good that you realize that because, you know, I think sometimes we, you know, I'll throw myself on, you know, in there. You know, as a Christian, sometimes we just pray for ourselves. We pray for like, oh, God bless me with this. You know, I need this or I need help with this. But we don't see that other our other brothers and sisters out there are suffering in other ways that we could never imagine and stuff. And, you know, what sticks out to me when you were saying that is, you know, the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, as they call it, when Jesus said the first line that he said is, our Father. And I like that part that he said, our Father our means that it's inclusive that it's not just he's not just the father to you you know what i'm saying i think sometimes we just think god is like our personal or <laughs> our personal genie or our personal god or whatever you want to say just he's just for us and he all his attention is just on us and sometimes i think we just think of he's just my father but no he's our father he has other children he has other <laughs> he has other people to think about than just you and it's just a reminder that our prayers from the get go is not about us it should be something that's collective. And then even the part in the scripture that's where Jesus said, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is in heaven? Peace. Peace, love, kindness, joy. That those are the qualities that are in heaven. And so we're real praying. love, by yeah. the way. Real love. Yes. Not no, fake not love.
0: the kind of love that is getting twisted.
2: No, not much. that fake love, but real love. And so your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. You know, we don't have to wait. You know, we can have, you know, Jesus prayed this for it to come down here on the earth. So that's a good thing that you realize that and everything. So I'm I'm glad you had a nice trip and a nice experience out there that like taught you a whole, whole new, whole new thing. It,
0: it did. It really did. I don't, I don't think that I have been uh, so moved about, about peace. Mm hmm. I can't ever remember a time to be completely honest with you. I mean, I I know my brother was deployed and I was praying that he would be kept safe, but to actually pray for peace, this is really the first time that I can remember really being moved Mm -hmm. to make that a priority in my prayer life. So it's been a, it's been a really good trip and Avon and I hope you can come out here sometime. I really do because I think that there is a lot of, perspective to be gained when somebody leaves the United States. And I don't think people understand just what a privilege it is to be in the United States until they have come overseas, even if it's just to Western Europe, because you can look at the history and you can see the scars of what happened in the past and things that never happened in the United States. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I really, really hope that you and, and our other listening audience has a chance to to explore some of the other places in the world because it g- gives someone fresh perspective on a lot of things, I think.
2: All right. Well, I hope one day I'll get to go. Hopefully I get the courage to get on that long plane ride. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that long. I mean, uh, at least
0: not, not, not to Europe anyway. I mean, my my plane ride over here, it was literally less than seven hours actually. Yeah. So not so much different than flying from the East coast to the West coast of the United States.
2: I mean, I didn't say that was a long either. It is a long, I mean, <laughs> that's long nah. for me, but, um, but I'm, I'm glad you had a safe trip and I'm praying you have a safe trip returning home.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, I do as well. And um, that'll be in three days, two days. Sorry, two days. Yeah. So anyway, thank you for your prayers. And um, I I just hope that our listening audience enjoyed listening to this episode of the Paradigm Switch. Uh, I will be back in the U.S. next week. And then we will uh, examine the seeming spirit of rebellion that appears to be sweeping across the U.S.
1: Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Paradigm Switch Podcast. We hope that you have learned something new for your everyday life. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to tell your friends about the Paradigm Switch too. For more information on past or future episodes, please follow the Paradigm Switch Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to tune in for our episode next week as we continue renewing our minds to think right side up.